Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 71. This is our 2019 RBC Heritage Show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have European Tour expert Paul Williams and long-standing podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Good morning to you both. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. We've got the post, uh, post-Augusta Blues, I'm afraid. Well, it shouldn't have really. It was a cracking event. Um, not quite from a betting perspective as we would have wanted collectively, but um, I think we managed to scrape a little bit back and, uh, and see. You might have <laughs> I scraped absolutely jack shit back from two blokes that could have won. Yeah, I think you, you, could, you could argue the same about many of the players there. Coming down the stretch, there was a number with a chance, wasn't there? But uh, how how Ricky and Cantley didn't have the decency to finish in the top eight, I'll never know. <laughs> but I must say, we'll forget about the intro. We'll do that in a minute. But yes, yeah, so I think from a from a viewing perspective, it's probably the best major I've ever watched. It was mm. unbelievable stuff. It was intense, wasn't it? For about an hour. <laughs> an hour. I mean. It, the, the front nine kind of bubbled along with Molinari and his ups and downs, and it, yeah. it, you know you could you could kind of feel something was coming. Like you know, no, no pun intended, a storm was brewing, but it was more on the golf course than what was coming in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And the I was texting some friends saying, "I think the back nine is going to light up," and my God, yes, did it! Yeah. It was absolutely phenomenal. That it's so hard to put it in perspective because we're only two days out um, after the event, but. Genuinely, that could have been one of the best majors uh, we've had the privilege of seeing. Can't disagree with that. Uh, GolfBettingSystem.co.uk is our website, naturally available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. You can follow me at Bamford Golf. Paul is available at Golf Betting, and Barry is available a good talk golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. This podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Audio Boom, and a myriad of different pod channels. You can also listen via our Golf Betting System YouTube channel. Naturally, subscribe and follow the podcast, and please take time to rate and review us on iTunes. And as we do every week, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. Leave your name in the review so we can read it out on the podcast. We haven't got anything this year, this word, this week, boys. Everyone focused on the Masters, I expect. I think everyone was too into the Masters to be bothered to spend 20, 10 minutes re- uh, writing a review, and I don't blame them. But actually, that gives us far more time to talk about the Masters. i tell you what I've done. I, I, I took a cu- couple of key things, you know, on the basis that I had two players that had a meltdown as soon as they had a sniff of winning. <laughs> I've just brought up the official World Golf Rankings on my computer, and I was just casting an eye over the from the top down, players that if they were in a in a major scenario where they're contending on the back nine, would you absolutely categorically 100% trust them to stay right in the hunt till the outset? And I've got Dustin Johnson at one. I don't think you can kind of disagree with that. Justin Rose at two. I think when Rose gets in the mix, he tends to hang around. Yeah, he, he, he knew he wasn't ever going to do anything last week after the way he started and uh, yeah. just kind of melted away, didn't he? Kepka is just cast iron. He's an absolute major monster. I know you were saying, Barry, that Kepka's virtually an auto bet for, for majors nowadays. It's getting that way. It, it should be. 
what was he, 25 to 1 this week? And he's won three of the last six yeah. majors. And it, or sorry, three of the last and seven. He now. doesn't need to show anything advanced. He just peaks. Mm. Yeah. M- McElroy at four. I'm I'm start I'm starting to from black, I'm becoming a little bit grey when I see Rory at four. When was the last time he was actually in contention for a major? Was that Augusta last year? Yeah, not much happened. Went out in the final group. Yeah, kind of just fizzled away that week, didn't it? He missed that putt on the second last year. That was the thing that just... He he just needs momentum. Like Unlike any other golfer, he needs momentum. Um, Yeah, I don't know. He he was in great shape coming into this. Arguably the best form of his life. Um not streaky, just really consistent, has a win recently, and I don't know what it is. Does he want it too much? Yeah. Yeah. He just, he sprayed it on, I, I mean, that was the great thing about that that Masters app, you could watch every shot. He sprayed his first tee shots straight right into the trees. Mm. And you're just thinking, hmm. Yeah, but sometimes that settles you down, you get the bad shot out of the way, and uh, you, can, you, can, you can move on from there, but... Um, no, he didn't, did he? And the, the, the mad thing is, the course, the way it was set up this week, absolutely perfect for him. You know, the way the conditions panned out, the form, as you said, Barry, how he's coming into the, to the event with such cracking form. He was pounding greens in regulation all the way up to the Masters. Mm. He was number one in my tracker. And I think he, in the end, he ended up at 61% GIR, where you got Tiger up in the 80s. Yeah. Um, I'm just working my way through. I mean, Tiger Woods, what do you need to say? And then the one that I really took from last week was Xander. I mean, that guy, again, he's cut from some very, very um, serious steel, I think, Xander. When he gets to the top of a tournament and the top of a major leaderboard, you just know he isn't going to fall away. No, he looked really impressive. I, You know, I, I, I... Invested I think in him. He's so. almost an auto bet, isn't he? In the major. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Could I, I, be. I've got money on him, so you know, I've watched him quite intensely, and um, from a slow start, he, you know, the the, the Friday round was outstanding, the best best round in the field, and um, where it went wrong for him actually was the eleventh on Saturday, um, and it sounds mad because he actually made a, a, a par of the eleventh, which is a, you know the toughest, or one of the two toughest holes on the course. But he hit an incredible shot in there to about four and a half feet. Um, missed the putt for birdie. And went to the, um, made, made birdie at the 13th, as you'd expect. Went to the 15th, banged it again down the fairway, 320 off the tee, 210, 205, something like that, into the, uh, into the 15th. And as you see so many times, if they come up just marginally short, in the water, um, another two feet, another three feet, whatever, he'd have bounced on the green, giving himself an eagle chance. Instead, he makes bogey. Um, and from there, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a tough old ask, isn't it? And, and fair play to him, as you said, you know, on Sunday, he showed real balls to get himself back into the mix, into the lead, into the outright lead at one point. Um, mm. You know, just couldn't quite, you know, because he was a couple of holes ahead. It's a bit misleading that back nine round Augusta, isn't it? Because you know there's a big opportunity on 13. You know, there's a big opportunity on 15. On Sunday, if you get the um, you get your iron right going into 16, you've got a big birdie opportunity on 16 as well. So if you're, if you're a couple of holes ahead, but, you know, in, on the same score, even one ahead, it's not necessarily 
the uh, you know you're not necessarily ahead of the game altogether, but um, he showed. No, I was massively impressed with him. You know, even those par putts coming down the last couple of holes, really good. So yes, he's got to be one to keep an eye on. I think for the forthcoming majors, regardless of his incoming form, he loves it when it's tough. He loves a loves a major test. I think. I'll have to do some more digging into what he's like on Poana. Because he's actually a California chap, isn't he? Mm. So you would you'd assume that Poana shouldn't be too big a deal for him. Yeah. But clearly you've got what you've got Beth Page in a few weeks' time. That's yep. long. I think they're Poana greens. They might be mixed with bent grass, yeah, which would yeah. suit which would suit him more. Yeah, I, I, from memory, they'll, they'll mix bent power. But yes, you know, it, it demands good driving. He's a cracking driver of the golf ball. Um, and he's got that major mentality, isn't he? I think pebbles are a lot more specialised, isn't it? And that is, they're really nasty, nasty Poana greens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about Dustin Johnson for for Beth Page, but Dustin Johnson at Pebble equally, he's got to be, uh, you know, he's going to be very, very well fancied, isn't he? Particularly after this week, you know, um, Augusta's never been his happiest of hunting grounds, but uh, he was he wasn't far away either, was he? That top of that leaderboard at the end was outstanding. The quietest tied second ever, Dustin yeah, yeah. Johnson, this week. Yeah. Just zero fuss. Mm. What do we say about Tiger? I mean, he, like clearly he's going to be in the mix in Beth Page and mm. Pebble on this trajectory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For certain. I, I think it's worth, just take, it's worth taking a second to talk to her. I think what that guy has done to win his last major in 2008 at the US Open and then to come back in 2019 after all of the his whole ups and downs of life and the physical issues that he's had of late is I think is one of the greatest sporting achievements I've ever seen if not the greatest I mean that is saying something as well um it was just it was phenomenal wasn't it and he he just he just he, he closed it out with the minimum of fuss it was just like watching him in old there was no danger that he was going to lose that once he actually hit the lead. <laughs> no, he, just did, he did. He did exactly what he needed to do on every shot, apart from, apart from the approach on eighteen, which uh, which went a little bit wonky to to keep everyone interested for a final couple of minutes. He was, he was too. I think he's. Yeah. He had a mud ball. I think he said. Is that yeah. correct? Mud yeah. Ball. So and you, and and you know what? He, like like the pro he is, or like the genius he is around Augusta. He missed in the mm. right spot. Mm. He gave himself a very accessible uh, pitch shot to get it onto the green and give him two putts. So, you know, so um, it was it was some performance. I mean, the focus he had all day long and he was giving the guys the, you know, the stares and the intimidation factor. And um, that's I I thought one of the most impressive swings he uh, I saw him put on uh, on the ball all day was his tee shot on 17. It was so free. It was such a free swing, and it kind of reminds me of um, what Jeff Ogilvie was saying on the Fried Egg podcast. They did; you could still go back and listen to that now. It's it's a timeless one about the Masters, and he was saying you need to be able to swing it as free as possible around there, even though the shots are so so Mm -hmm. hard. And uh, that's that swing was incredible on seventeen. He banged it past Fee now, didn't he? (laughs) He just he just absolutely laid into it. Yeah. That was one of the things you never quite could get your head around with Ty, whether he still had that 
that freeness to actually get the driving distances that you need for somewhere like Augusta. So that that one's uh, that's a tick in the box. It was just it was it was a phenomenal view, really. Oh, it was, yeah, and the, the outpouring of um, emotion at the end, you know, with, there with his family, with his little boy. Um, it's great to see. I mean, you know, there's, there's some people who um, clearly even have a massive uh, tiger lovers. Um, there's you know a number of people who have been um, quite negative about him since you know all of the personal life stuff came out. But um, if you can put all of that to one side and just look at the spectacle that we saw on Sunday, then um, you can do nothing but applaud. I don't think. Really yeah. good. No, it was it was it was it was top top notch stuff. I thought. Mm. Um, I got very excited when Cantley Eagle fifteen. Oh my god! <laughs> I was scream, screaming at the TV, and my my son didn't. He he got upset. He didn't realise what Daddy was getting upset about. But then he he he, he realised that when I was getting upset, when he started spraying it from that point on. <laughs> he he, he realised another another kind of. Um, Upset. The, the full range of emotions from Dad. <laughs> yeah. Interesting for Cantlay. I mean, he's clearly a phenomenal talent. Um, that's his first major top ten. It won't be his last. Um, he's got the he's got the game for a major. But um, and I said this in the podcast um, for the picks podcast a couple of weeks ago. It's just that case of because he hasn't got that experience in the hottest of heat. That's going to just come mm. over time. I think. So, um, uh, in, you know, you look at it. You look at it from a oh my god, he's just cost me a lot of money perspective. Actually, I think it was a decent out. It was a decent um, performance from Cantlay, all told. And just to just to throw it in there, um, Tiger topped greens in regulation again. Yeah. So you know this, it's only Patrick Reed that threw that one out last year when he was twenty first for GIR. Um, I think Tiger was first. Sergio was second. And it just goes back and back and back. It's just greens and regulation, Augusta. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the ball game. That's going to be, yeah, as you say, 80, 90% of the time, that's going to be the, the absolute critical factor yeah. on the week. And if I remember correctly, Tiger and Chauflay and DJ were all in the top five of my GIR tracker. Mm. So, yet again, that's something to bear in mind for next year. Yeah. Well, we just read. Actually, here's it's interesting if you read out the the top few in greens and regulation and where they came on the leaderboard. So you've Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, Ian Poulter, all great results. Adam Scott, if he could putt, he'd be fine. He just fell Victor away Hovland. again, didn't he? Yeah. He fell away again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt Kuchar, Brooks Kepka, Trevor Immelman, Thorburn Olsen, Dustin Johnson, John Ram, Xander Schauffele, you know, Fleetwood Kisner Day. You know, a lot. It's a big. There's a big, big correlation between greens and regulation and success yeah. at Augusta. Here you go. I've just brought it up on my screen. McElroy. This was my tracker. McElroy one. Tiger Woods two. Xander three. Dustin Johnson five. <laughs> and where did where did they finish? Yeah. Well, if you exclude Rory, then uh, then yeah, you, you could have made a tidy tidy sum out of that, couldn't you? If you'd have just backed them blindly. Food for thought for next year, Stephen. Yeah. I'm just going to... Uh... Yeah, it's an interesting one. I am uh, I am starting to reassess what I do. You know, we were talking about the par five birdie or better stat. Mm. 
Tiger was 30th going into it last week, and he, but he, you look at it from last year, he was 11th, so there's kind of a correlation there. Is this, sorry, par four or par five? Par four, birdie. Right, better, par four, yeah. He was 30th this year, and then last season, total 11th, so he was in the top 11. Yeah. And that was similar, I think Adam Scott did a similar thing a few years ago when he won. He was in the top 10, I think, for the year before. So yeah. that just needs to be borne in mind, I think. I think if, if Tiger continues on the trajectory he's on, then um, he'll probably be top five, um, or if not better, at that stat by the end of this season. Um, yeah, so, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, you know, you could look back historically and, again, infer the same logic, I think. Who are you going to take at Pebble Beach? Are you going to take Tiger or are you going to take DJ? Tiger will be about five to one at this stage for Pebble. Yeah. DJ loves What's Pebble though, doesn't he? And and DJ is going to be six to one. Mm. Yeah, but then you have got other players who love Pebble as well. You know, Phil Mickelson is he is he really out of the equation at this point? He showed again last week. He loves Pebble. Mm. That's the thing, and it is going to be Pebble in June is nothing like Pebble in Feb, mm. but. It's going to suit a player with immense short scheme skills because it's going to be firm and fast. The greens are going to just be brown. Yeah. So actually, it becomes more of a, a kind of course plotter short game exercise. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't draw too many conclusions. Maybe Paul, maybe Paul Casey will contend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Steve. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just have to throw. Have we finally? Have we finally given up on Casey? Have we in the majors? Come on, guys! I never, I I never we got there to him in the official world golf rankings to discuss Paul. He's at twelve in the world. Mm. What did we make of John Rahm? Yeah, quietly impressive. I think he had four rounds under par. You're not doing an awful lot wrong, are you? In the right conditions, I think we, we again we touched on this last week. The right conditions for Augusta, I think John Rahm will be very, very close to winning a green jacket at some point in his career. With us on Fowler and Cantley and virtually the whole betting world on John Rahm, they all finished ninth. Mm. Painful. I'm so glad I took those guys to, uh, each way top yeah, ten. I wish I had. Um, and then, do you know what? That One of my ghosts of the past, Webb Simpson, came back to haunt me again, who finished like a train... And instead of being in a tie for eighth, ended up jumping up one more spot and left the boys in a tie for ninth, which meant they got uh, cut in... My, my Each way payouts got cut in two-thirds. Um, so Webb Simpson has a history of screwing me over. Did, did it to me in the US Open Olympic Club against... Well, no, Harrington kind of screwed himself over in that, but I still blame Webb Simpson for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got, got to find someone to blame, haven't you? But yeah, yeah. it's did, one of those things at the end, isn't it? You're screaming again for someone to make a bogey to, to keep your payout maximised up, but it uh, doesn't happen, mm. does it? There's a few... Uh, Rick, Ricky, Ricky was so close this week. He was. Let's see, I have one, two, three, four, five, six. Prop, maybe a couple of bogeys too many at eight bogeys on the week. Mm. You shave that down a bit. And do you know what? We were we were giving out that he wasn't making enough putts. And for him, we you know, ones that we'd expect him to make on Sunday, he missed, but then he made a lot later on. That one on 16, um, that shoe hook, that actually, that was in and out, wasn't it? That one. Yeah. That was a painful one. Yeah. Brutal. Um, <laughs> so... Did he just did he just start a little bit too slow? Maybe it's so hard. Like 
he's what he's a couple of putts away from from re- being right there, one shot behind yeah. her. I think the dynamics of the tournament. What you had there was DJ and Fowler. They were they were they were quite a way back, weren't they? Sort of entering thirteen, and they've probably just said, oh, "We're out of this," and they just start playing golf. Then, and we know that we know that Fowler's a chaser, and all of a sudden there's birdie, birdie, and that's what you can do on the back nine, isn't it? Yeah. Because I I think at that point they didn't think that they were going to get close enough to win it, and all of a sudden it just frees the wheels, doesn't it? Well, if you look at the winning score, thirteen under, and if you wind it back to where everyone was standing on the tenth tee, um. How many players really had a chance there? There's... No, well, Fowler was at sevens yeah. at that point. He was he was six behind. But you know, you know, you can go that that back nine. You can shoot six under around there. Mm. It's you know, it's 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 far from the outside the realms of possibility because people do it week week in week or year in year out. Survive ten, survive eleven, and then just go full blown attack up to up to sixteen, and then see what you can do over the last couple of holes. You're talking bogeys, um, you mentioned a minute ago. Up until the back nine, Francesco Molinari to have made just one bogey a week was incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, eventually, you know, clearly got ground down by Tiger and perhaps that was the, you know, whether it was Tiger who beat him or whether Francesco beat himself, up for debate, I guess, but... um, I thought Rich Beam's commentary on course was fascinating. And he was saying, wasn't he? I don't like this guy, as he's basically saying. This wind's getting up seriously. The wind's coming in. Mm. And he said, and he actually said in commentary, you're at a real disadvantage going first here because the other guys will just watch what happens. Yeah. And Frank Frankie steps up and he makes the cardinal sin. He, he goes for the right side of the green. Yeah. And then Tiger walks up. He's not even looking at the pin. He's looking between the two bunkers. I'm going to bang it straight in there. Two putt, get out of here. And Tony does the same. Tony goes the other way as well. Goes for the pin. Yeah. Double bogey city. I mean, that's just ex- that's just experience, isn't it? That's just nous mm. of Augusta. Yeah. And playing under the most intense pressure in the in the last group when the weather's getting gnarly. Fascinating, fascinating. Yeah. Very interesting. I mean, another one who caught my eye, um, Justin Harding. I mean, for a guy who was, oh, yeah, outside right, the, right. he was outside the top 700 at the start of 2018 mm. and playing on the Sunshine Tour. And for for, for him to have, you know, the, the events that he's won, he's now got his maiden European Tour, um, victory under his belt. And to come to Augusta and to be in the mix and to, to, not, to not fold, the way he did, and um, to earn his spot for next year as well in the into the into the mix, I was thoroughly impressed with that. Really good stuff from Harding. Yeah, that's something else. Make make knowing you knowing you need to make that birdie on eighteen to get your invite for next year after having uh, a bit of an up and down day mm. on Sunday. That's uh, it's really yeah, impressive. Really good stuff from the guy. So yeah, his uh, his career is gonna. You know, go from on leaps and bounds now. He's well, in, well, not well inside. He's inside the top fifty in the world, and uh, the world's his oyster. Well done. That Looks now. like South Africa's got his neck. They've got their next uh, elite golfer on their hands with Harding. Quite possibly, he does he's come out good. of the pack real sharp, hasn't he? Yes, he yeah. And to say in the space of what sixteen months, he's gone from you know oblivion oh, yeah. on the on the Sunshine Tour to I think he's won four or five events yeah. um, overall, and. Uh, into the into the world's top fifty. Very. There's been a few, hasn't there? Has 
Brandon Stone, Fritelli. There's been quite a few of them, but all of a sudden this Harding's just come from nowhere. Yeah. And for him to hang around at the top of that leaderboard was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Shows real guts, doesn't it? It does, yeah. No, was, I was thoroughly impressed with the way he handled himself all week. Yeah, and the pressure told a bit on Sunday, but as, as Barry just said, for for him to, to get into that top 12 position for next year um, through grit and determination at the end, very impressive. Right. The PGA Tour moves on. It never stops, does it? No. We've got the RBC Heritage this week, which I always think is a good tournament, actually. For for the tournament after the Masters. Cracking field, isn't it? It's a good field, yeah. The course is so much fun as well. It's um I think you get a decent field here because you get your you get your Royal Bank of Canada team having to turn up as part of their sponsorship deal. Yeah. Uh, Dustin Johnson being one of those. Um, so yes, that helps, but bolster the top of the field. But there's actually some real, there's some some decent depth to it as well. And it's good to see, and we've been talking about this across quite a few podcasts this year. It's good to see a number of European Tour players taking advantage of this tournament. So you know you, the likes of your Pepperells, your Wallaces. Your Rafa Cabrera Bellows, your Matt Fitzpatrick, you know they've they've clearly got a management team in it that says, well, actually, we think this course is going to suit you guys, so it's worth you staying on. Yep. You know, this is a stop that isn't a seven thousand nine hundred yard par seventy two typical American stock. You can actually this got it's got European connotations to it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's good because I think in the past a lot of uh, European tour players have. You know they've literally played the week before a major, and they haven't really taken the scheduling seriously. That's another thing with Tommy. You know, Tommy tends to pick events that aren't the biggest events, but events that might suit his game. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Why, why put yourself at a disadvantage by attacking an event that doesn't suit? I mean, mm. the uh, the scheduling of some players does beg a belief sometimes. That's to be said. That is very true. Now. This golf course is a Pete Dye design. Harbortown Golf Links. I say this every year. They say it's a golf links, but it isn't links golf. Actually, I think 15 of the holes are what I classify as Carolina. So very tight, tree line, dog legs. Um, it's a genuine Carolina golf course. And then it just opens up 16, 17, 18. You're right on the coast. So that's worth bearing in mind. But effectively, what you do see from the winners here in Maine is that they are, uh, you know, players that thrive on coastal golf courses play well here as well. Mm. You know, you've got a winners list here of Boo Weekly, Brian Gay, uh, Boo Weekly, a two-time winner, Jim Furyk's won here twice, Brant Schnedeker plays well by the coast, as we know, he won here in eleven, G Mac in thirteen, Kuchar in fourteen. Brandon Grace, you know, we you, you always look at Brandon when he's uh, when you've got a, a, a tournament by the coast. He's he's got such a great coastal pedigree. The last two winners though have been a bit left field. Wesley Bryan in twenty seventeen, and last year Satoshi Kodaira. No, last year last year never <laughs> happened. Blank the pain from your memory, Barry. It was painful. Oh. I remember sitting, oh. we were talking about it during the event, weren't we? I remember sitting, staring at a cash-out offer 
um, which was a healthy four-figure number, and refusing it because I was convinced that Siwoo was going to win. How, what was his lead? I think it, he had a couple of shots, I think, at one point. Two. But um, it wasn't just that. It was the fact that he was playing so well from tee to green. And mm-hmm. I read a tweet this morning saying he, he missed putts of four, five, four, and six feet in the last four holes. Yeah. Yep. That's the one. Jeez. He's putting a bit better this year, though, isn't he? He is. He's putting phenomenally well. Um, for me, then it's a it's one of those old style golf courses where lots of different styles can eventually bring you to the winner. One thing it doesn't suit are bombers. Um, I think a little bit of accuracy off the tee works nicely. I mean, I'll just take you through the the skill averages. Driving distance fifty second. I mean, fifty second of the last nine winners if you're averaging them out. So yeah, bombers, nah. Driving actually 20th, that's that's a good number. Greens and regs 17th, proximity to hole 12th. I do think there's something in people that can get the ball close because we've got tiny greens. They're the mm. smallest greens on tour bar Pebble Beach. Yep. Scrambling 7th, putting average as big as 20th. So it doesn't tend to be a putting competition. It tends to be a more of a short game, uh, 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 proximity and a scrambling well, those greens are so small, aren't they? That you, you know, unless you're absolutely, you know, pinpoint precise with your approaches, you're going to be missing some greens, and you need to be getting up and down. And, and you know, the scrambling numbers usually are quite high. You know, in the sixties and seventies, doesn't look absolutely brutal when you review the numbers in terms of being on and around the greens. But uh, but you need to make those ups and downs. You can't be flagrantly making bogeys from those positions. Yeah, you know, I said um, in my preview that you can count the numbers of players that have hit more than 70% GIR here on like the finger of one hand. Mm. So you've got even the very best ball strikers on 17, 18 holes are going to be scrambling for their lives. Yeah. And the weather, have you seen the weather that's coming in? Yeah, I'm looking at your preview. It looked, uh, it looked like there was uh, a mixed bag, to say the least. Well, I think it's got worse. Uh, Thursday, thir- uh, 13 gust in 20. And that, for me, is the scoring day. And I think 20 around here, you can still see... You'll, st- soon, you'll still see 65, uh, 66s. It's Friday, this front moves in. Um, at 8 o'clock in the morning, it's, gl- it's blowing up to 35 miles an hour. Mm. It then gets more intense... Uh, 25 to 40 by 11 o'clock. And then the thunderstorms arrive in the afternoon. So I don't know what's going to happen here. You can almost see a scenario where the a uh, the PM-AM split have to play some of their round in the morning. And then this this thunderstorm hits and they'll get, they're going to pull it. They, you know, they'll basically cancel the rest of the round that day. Yeah. So there could be some horrendous, and I mean horrendous, bias in the um, in the actual split this week. Yeah, I mean we're sit- we're sitting here on a Tuesday morning looking at a weather forecast. Oh, I always throw that one in there, but if that comes to reality, it's one of those situations where would the PGA Tour, knowing what's coming in, can the whole day, or would they actually say, "Well, actually, boys, we're sorry, but you guys that are AM starters, you're going to have to pay three hours." in winds up to 40 mile an hour. But we know that by about 
one o'clock, we're going to be canning the day anyway. Mm. That that almost smacks of unfair, but that's golf, isn't it? In a way. Yeah, but it's also. I mean, that weather could come in earlier. It could hang on and come in later. You know, it's uh, it's still still three days out. Things can change. Saturday, no rain whatsoever. Only sixteen degrees, so very European. And it's it's blowing between twenty and forty miles an hour all day. It's going to keep the scoring down a little, isn't it? Well, it's, this is single-digit golf, mate. Mm. Um, and then on, they're actually co- they're not coastal breezes either. They're inland breezes. They're coming off. They're coming from the west, mm. which is interesting. They're not. It's not a sea breeze uh, or sea wind. And then on Sunday, it comes down to. Uh, it's, you can see this being like the Alamo on Sunday, probably a, a, a very soft golf course, and it's only blowing between. 10 and 15 as the leaders go out and the temperatures have warmed slightly to about 21 degrees so not sweltering but warmer so for me it's going to be all about survival Mm. get your grinding boots on it's going to be a proper grind this is where did uh, where did you guys end up in terms of players? Are there particular price points you were interested in, or how how do you take it from a contended at Augusta? How are they going to cope the week after in RBC perspective? I said you have the same. I have got some numbers to read out, by the way. Yeah, yeah you have the same dilemma after lots of these events, don't you? But I think there's two factors here. You've got the post Masters issue um, with the guys who are truly in contention at, at the top of the market um, and then you've got the fact that it is RBC sponsored and some of these guys are essentially going through the motions for their obligations to the sponsor and yeah. that can put I think I think it can make for a market that doesn't look as correct as it should be I must say when I went through this um, there were a lot of names I wanted to back or want to back and um I haven't backed them all yet, but it's um, there's, there's a lot of players a little further down, and and you know you look at the likes of Dustin Johnson, he, you know he was clearly capable of winning this, um, you know was he truly in the heat of battle on Sunday? No, but as Barry said, you know it's just a, a very quiet, impressive finish in the end. Molinari's second favourite, fourteen to one, um. How deflated is he going to be coming into this event? You know, can he can he shrug all of that off immediately? That happened yeah. on the on the back nine on Sunday, and, and get his head straight ready for the for this. I mean, the course course suits undoubtedly, but um, yeah, I'll read the I'll read it's these fun. out to you. Oh, eight weekly nineteenth at the Masters. Uh, Gay didn't play. Furyk missed the cut. Snedeker was fifteenth at the Masters. Pettersson didn't play. Uh, G-Mac missed the cut at the Masters. Matt Kuchar is the exception. He was fifth in Augusta the week before he won this at 18-1. to 1. That was in 2014. Uh, 15, Furyk missed the cut. Brandon Gase, guess what? He missed the cut in 16. Uh, Wesley Bryan didn't play. And Satoshi Kodaira, and I remember you saying this, Paul, When you, if you looked at this from a world uh, an OWGR perspective last year, yeah. he was 250-1. to 1. And he's finished 28th the week before at the Masters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Relative to his price, his OWGR ranking last year was was way up there. Um, 
so yeah, if you if you just ranked the field by OWGR and done no other analysis, just picking out names that were decent value, then then his name would have popped up quite readily. Whether you'd have backed him on the, on the strength of that alone is a completely different matter. But but yeah, mm. top thirty at Augusta wasn't wasn't bad either, was it? So there were a few clues there, I think. I think there's going to be an element where some of the elite players are mentally tired. You know, Francesco could be one. Um, some are doing obligations. Yeah, got that. Um, and then some are going to see it as a big opportunity. So it's 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 deciphering that, and it's deciphering who's gonna who's gonna be really keen and seeing it as a huge opportunity when it's going to be blowing thirty miles an hour for a, much of the tournament, mm. and who can cope with that. That's kind of where I got to. Yeah, I, I, I'd be tempted to go with Xander if I felt that he was the kind of player who would want to lift his game again for this. But for me, he's the kind of player that is going to focus his game and his efforts and his his mental approach around the big events. And, and quite rightly, because he's, he's got one of those in him quite soon. Um, and his third favourite for this. I mean, uh, is it, he's a swerve for me, despite everything from last week. It is an interesting dilemma. You get the feeling that Beth Page is going to play to his strengths, isn't it? Mm. And these, these majors come around thick and fast now, don't they, with the new schedule? What we yeah. it's less than a month, I think, isn't it, until uh, until the PGA? So yeah, the, you've got what you got. You've got the RBC this week. You've got that ridiculous twin pair thing next week, um, and then you've got two good tournaments. One is Quail Hollow. Which mm-hmm. will be loaded, and then the week after that is that tournament they play at that new inland golf course at um, Dallas, the the old the Byron Nelson, yeah. Which actually was a really good course last year, so you may find quite a few players actually opt for that. I mean, a lot of players will have got two decisions to make, haven't they? It's whether they played a Byron Nelson the week before or they play Quail Hollow. Yeah, I would have thought most mm. would play Quail That's- Hollow. That Trinity Forest was a, it's a Beautiful great golf, golf course. course. I can't I cannot wait to see that again. Yeah, that was the one Aaron Wise one, wasn't it? Mm. Mm, yeah, I hope hopefully they make it a little bit tougher this year. They were uh, they were very um because it was such a different difference in style to the regular type of PGA Tour yeah. course. Uh, they really they they uh they went very soft on them. So hopefully they uh, dial it up a notch for them this year. You may find that because that was such a visually um, attractive tournament, and you may find a, a, some of the bigger players actually go and play that because they actually like the look of the golf course. Mm. Um, I think it was a huge and some guys a huge step into the unknown, as you said, Barry, last year. Mm, and some guys want you know want to play the week before a major. Yeah. You know they want to tune their game up that way, and they're not comfortable with them just having you know practice. Uh, so well, take Dust, yeah, take could... Dustin Johnson. He never plays the week before. Um, he, he he tends to pick and choose, doesn't he? But he'll always, he'll always play St. Jude the week before the US Open. Mm. He never plays Quail Hollow, so you might find he plays the Byron Nelson this year. Yeah, each so, time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at, grinders. And after the last few weeks where you get players in position and they kind of just fritter away their chance towards the end, I thought I'd actually go this week for some players that are proven winners. <laughs> I know, it's bad, isn't it? You know, I, 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 we'll see, won't we? But you, there's a lot of names there towards the top of the leaderboard 
or to, sorry, towards the top of the betting market, who aren't proven winners in my mind. So uh, I, my first bet off the off the bat, my first gut reaction, and this is the first week, Paul, that I'm not using any statistics whatsoever to make my picks from. Right, okay. I'm basically now going back to how I used to bet when I actually used to be able to tip up some winners, which is just go off gut feel and just watching golf tournaments and just knowing in your mind what kind of courses suit what kind of players. Yeah, sometimes you can get a bit um, blurred with the stats, particularly if you're scrubbing oh. people out for you know got tenuous reasons. And uh, Because they're only 75th for bogey avoidance and they needed yeah. to be in the top 70. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh well, this is it. This kind so, of silly, yeah, silly yeah. spot I got. I've got myself into over the years. So I've gone for Jordan Spieth, who actually I think, if you look at a finickety golf course, short golf course, Pete Dye design, someone that plays well when the weather's really crappy. Mm. I don't think Spieth's far away, and. It was noticeable last week, after he'd blown his chance in the first nine holes, um, it was a very similar performance to Matthew Fitzpatrick, who I know you two are going to mention later on. But just on the quiet side, once all the pressure had gone and he could just release his wheels, all of a sudden he was in the top uh, top 20 for greens in regulation and he just shot three very nice rounds of golf. And it, as we know, um, he sits number one in my eight-week putting average tracker. His, his putting's back to where it used to be. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more confident. And when I listened to the No Laying Up podcast with him last week, from a few weeks ago, he was basically saying how he's now, basically, it's all about repetition with the swing, repetition with the swing. Getting that um, gra- grounded into competition mode. And actually... I, th- I just I get the feeling that somewhere like this week where there's going to be no pressure, there's that nice easy feel to it. Yeah, that I just think this could be the tournament where he, a- he actually starts pulling things together. I also think it'd be a very good first round leader punt because you look at him this year: fifth at Torrey Pines after round one, ninth at Pebble, second at the Genesis, sixth at the Texas Open. So he's thirty-five to one currently, first round leader for this. I don't think there's. I think there's worse bets out there as well. I think he he could get a very fast start, take the confidence that he knows that he's starting to hit some greens in regulation. I just think uh, twenty-five to one. I was quite pleasantly surprised with that price point. So I went two yeah. two each way, seven places each way with sporting bet. Yeah, no, I, I, he certainly picked up after a slow first round and it's probably the weight of my money on him being first round leader last week that, that dragged him down in the first round and, and then recovered after that. But um, yeah, I can I can see your logic there, Steve. It'd be interesting to see how Jordan reacts when he actually, he does fight. It might not be this week, but when he finally gets in contention, whether it's just going to be just as easy as pie. Mm. Yeah, so if the old, old thought process has come back, we know he's talented enough to uh, to do it. And as you say, his putting, which had kind of fallen away last year, has been far, far better lately. It's not not bulletproof, um, and we see it sort of again no. last week. But um, 
he, but, he said on the podcast, my putting is I've got 100% confidence back in the putter. I've got no issues with the putter. Mm. All I've now focusing on is the tee to green game. The other thing that I think is a positive for Spieth is because this course is only 7,100 yards, there are two reachable par fives. I mean, one of the par fives is 500 yards. It's one of those golf courses where you don't have to put driver in your hands too often. Yeah. And that is his weakness. You know, he can still spray it. Mm. And if he's actually hitting fairway dry, you know, three wood or, or you know, fairway iron off the tee or just a utility off the tee, that all of a sudden starts playing to Jordan Spieth's strengths. Yeah. A little bit like Luke List. You know, Luke List, he, he yeah, well, Luke List is a big bomber. But actually, you look at Luke List, he tends to go better on courses that are shorter where he just he just bombs away with a utility or a three wood. Yeah, keeps dial, it in play. Dial it down a bit. Yeah, keep, yeah, it, keep it keep it in the uh, short stuff off the team. Give yourself a chance. So I'm with Spieth. <coughs> Spieth at the top. Um, I've also gone for our old. Uh, if I mean, if you're talking grinding, if you're talking greens in regulation, grinding, and just someone that's going to just hang around, there's no one better in the field than Jim Furyk, is there? So he's the other. He's the other guy I've took towards the top, at the very top. I've I've taken the eight places on Furyk at thirty to one after last week's um, heroics of putting everyone up eight places and they finished ninth. But anyway, I've gone um, uh, one and a quarter points each way, thirty to one. Jim Furyk with Betfair Sportsbook. Yeah, he's I, got I a good chance. This, Jim. this this could play to his strengths and it isn't going to be a putting contest, which is his weakness. Yeah. Mm. He's won twice around here as well, isn't he? He clearly loves the track, doesn't he? I, I'm on Jim as well. I think there's a little bit of 40 to 1 about him this morning. Yeah, like, it looks if like... If you're prepared to take the five and a quarter. Looks like that's you could, just You could boost that up to, what, 45? Yeah, that's all gone now. Just just refreshed it's it just gone. now. So, yeah, 33s is the best price you'll get um, with less places, as you say, or, or 30s with eight, eight each way if you shop around a little bit. But, um, but yes... Yeah, I know. I like Jim. I'm on Jim myself. He was one of my early bets for the week. Um, 14th at Pebble, 9th at PGA National, 2nd in Sawgrass, 18th in Copperhead. So you take the last three, 9th, 2nd, 18th, all on Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass, which they're playing this week. So, yeah. 17-time winner on tour, Jim. And uh, Jordan, I think, has got 11. So I've got 28 wins between the two. Hoping to make it 29. So you wait, you wait and see how they bottle it coming down the stretch, one of them. So that's 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 where I'm at for the for the top of the market. Where are you at, Barry? Where's your first bet coming? Because Paul said, there he's on Jimbo." Um, I'm going to stick with Cantley. You know, he uh, he won't. He, he got into the pressure cooker, but he was there for all of three point four seconds, uh, and then it, he heard my screw. Yeah, and then ejected hard right on to the sixteenth. Yeah. Um, you, you don't get a, you just, don't get away going up on that top tier. Say no, nah, he he had a what no. was it a five footer he missed? I'd say it was closer to seven or eight by the looks of it, it now. It, but still, he has he has a, he has a putt. He's fifty fifty to it, make. It, it didn't know, get or, it or didn't get to better. the hole, did it? <laughs> no, it shouldn't. Uh, it wasn't wasn't great. And then yeah, another poor shot on seventeen and uh, the goodbye. So he won't have, uh, he'll have had a, a taste of the pressure, but won't have been overcooked in it. So um, he's got a great record here the last two times he's played. Uh, he's a third and a seventh. So 
clearly playing very well. Um, you know, good for greens and regulation last week. And, he was uh, like, when I was checking the scores on Friday, he was still two two over at one point, and then all of a sudden it just clicked, didn't it? Mm. And he, he just start, he started been, flying through the field. Yeah, I think he might have been the low man on the weekend. Yeah, I haven't done close. the calculations, very, but very 60, close, yeah. 64, 68. Yeah, yeah very yeah. close. So, yeah. if he, keep, if he Sorry, keeps that going, he's a danger because he's he's got two top tens in two appearances, isn't he? Here. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So I've take I'm sticking with him. Um, uh, see what happens and. I for I don't know why I, I mean I'm just a glutton for punishment but um back on Siwoo si this week <laughs> it, it's a it's a tough one to leave him out isn't it I've I've got a little bit on Siwoo um myself just just to satisfy my own curiosity that I think you just have to back Siwoo don't you on Bermuda grass because you know that the week you don't back him he'll win. So I've backed him as well. So you're absolutely screwed. He'll miss the cut. <laughs> That's all three of us on him then. Literally, I could have sat here yesterday and tossed the coin between Siwoo and Sung Jay. What one do you take? And I've plumped for Siwoo in the end. Because he is putting very, very well, Siwoo, Kim. And actually, he finished, I think, in exactly the same spot that he finished last year at the Masters, 24th. Yep. Now you're not you're not getting a hundred uh, to one this year, unfortunately, which was his price last year. But it's mm. just kind of it's almost like he played very very well at the Valero, didn't he? Fifty four hole leader, and then he, he he just sort of treaded water in the final round. But yeah, he's a very good win player as well. Sits in the top twenty on our predictor model for win. Yeah, there's lots to like with Siwoo. Um, if you can you can put last year's lack of conversion out of your mind but um, I think you have to be you have to be brutal with golf betting sometimes and just um, just go with your gut what do you took can what, you what do you two make of Sung Jm oh massive talent he'll win and his price tends to be virgin on you know too short particularly in this kind of field but um, was he 45s this week 50 that kind of bracket getting more backable, isn't it? Do, do you need any course experience around here? No, Satoshi Kodaira won. Saying that, to be fair, Satoshi Kodaira didn't win when it was blowing 40 miles an hour. And that's my kind of downside on Sung Jm Because mm. I haven't got anything... I know, yes, clearly he's only been on the PGA Tour, what, six months? There was nothing that I could find that suggests... So, I don't know. It's that, it's that element, isn't it? When it really gets tough and it gets proper gnarly, you know, is some is a is a tour rookie going to hang about? But you know, tour rookie is a little bit unfair for him, really, because he's such a precocious talent. And there's this ridiculously strong link between Copperhead and here. I've put it in my that seven of the last ten winners here had previously finished in the top at ten at Copperhead. And if you throw in Grant Brandon Grace, who went on to finish in the top ten at Copperhead, that's eight out of ten. Now that's a that's a an amazingly strong link. Mm. And if you look at Sung Jm so far this year, look, I'm almost talking myself into why the hell I didn't back him. Twelfth at PGA West, which is Pete Dye design. He was third at Bay Hill on Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass, and last time out on Tiff Eagle at 
Copperhead, he was fourth. Bit of a calling card there. Mm. But this is it. I don't know. So, yeah, I'll just take you through the top ten of the, the you got uh, of our win players on the predictor. Dustin Johnson won. Spieth, uh, Dustin Johnson and Spieth are tied. Three is Kuchar. Four is Hoffman. Five, Russell Henley. Six, Charles Howard third. Four, uh, seven, Zach Johnson. Eight is Luke List. Nine is Mark Leishman, who I thought was big at 50s. And 10 is Russell Knox. They're the top 10 in our um, predictor model, mm. again, for, for win play. Siwoo Kim is 17th. We're tied with Benny Ann, who's a very good win player. There you go. So, I don't know. That, that's where I was at. It was either Siwoo, who I tip and misses cut, or it would have been Sung Jae. So, I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, well, we'll all be in the same boat, either elated or screaming on Sunday or Friday. Depends how far he gets us. I guess I'll be I'll be by the swimming pool watching him miss the cut, so it won't be all bad for me. <laughs> so that, that's not too bad. That's why <coughs> we're looking at it. right. Who else you two gone for? In fact, Paul, no, you tell me because you said there were a whole host of players you could have backed. So go on. What no, was right, yeah, I, but the first one I have backed, um, and the first person I backed this week was Matt Fitzpatrick, who um, really yeah. shot out to me last week. Um, Again, after a slow start, he opened with 78 and then ended up finishing, finishing 21st. Um, his final three rounds, 205, um, was exactly the same as Tiger Woods. So he It was sh- a miracle he made the cut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He showed some real guile, some, some real real want to, to, to be there for the weekend and, and, and did that. And, um, yeah, 21st overall, I thought was really impressive after such a poor opening round. And we see it quite a bit with Matt. Um, I don't know what he does on a Wednesday to uh, to cause his Thursday rounds to be generally so poor. Um, but um, when he gets away and to a decent start, he can have a decent uh, decent event. I mean, he was second at the uh, Arnold Palmer at Bay Hill. Um a few weeks back, second for scrambling that week, you know, and again from a decent start. If he starts slowly, forget it. If he starts well, he's going to be right up there, I think. Um, this track, he's said um, quite vocally, this is his favourite track in the world. Um, 23rd here in 2014, 14th here last year. Um, so he's got some decent enough form coming on this track, but I think the, the way that he performed last week um, for the final three rounds will give him a decent bit of impetus coming into this. And if you're talking about Tiff Eagle, Bermuda Greens, um, who won at the Earth Course um, mm-hmm. back in, what was it, 2016, I think it was? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's lots to like with Matt. I, I picked him up at 50s nice and early. He's been chopped in a little bit since then. Um, but um, I think he's got a decent chance. But if you want some of the names that I haven't backed, who I think um, are well worth a look, uh, Jason Kokrak at 50 to 1. Um, I think he's got a decent chance of been playing some lovely stuff, hasn't he? Ryan Moore at 50 to 1. Uh, 16th last year. If you, one of the corollary courses you talked about was uh, Sedgefield, and he's won at Sedgefield, Ryan Moore. Yeah, he's good at Copperhead as well. Yeah, yeah, good at Copperhead. Got a couple of top tens at uh, Quail Hollow, which you mentioned as well. Um, he's made the cut twice at Pinehurst when he's played it in some some decent fields. Sixteenth um, last year, ninth going into the final round. There's lots to like with Ryan Moore. I still haven't um, decided not to back him. I may well do that. Um, longer prices: Kevin Streelman, Kevin Nah, 
uh, Jonathan Bird, even. They're all three-figure prices. Scott Stallings. I mean, there's lots here that I, I, I could include. Um, I'll probably reserve a few of them for my DraftKings um, teams, which are, uh, looks like there's going to be quite a few of them this year, uh, this week. Um, talking DraftKings, uh, uh, Luke Donald as well. Um, he's one that stands out, given his course form here, and he's shown a little bit of form in the last few weeks as well. Denny McCarthy's another one who's um, a bit out of kilter with his DraftKings price, in my opinion, versus his his outright odds as well. But um, yeah, I've got a couple of long shots, which I'll, I'll do in a few minutes once we've heard from Barry. But um, but yeah, I, Matt, other than Jim Furyk and Siwoo, Matt Fitzpatrick's the only one I've backed at mid-range prices right now. I need to stop because I can't back six or seven or eight players this week because it's not going to work. It's the only way you get a winner. <laughs> back off the field. I, I, to, to be honest, I could I could sit here and back twelve or fifteen right now, and um, that's never going to work. Um, so I need to trim it down. But uh, but yeah, that's where I am. I backed Fitzy as well. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? It just it just made so much sense. And when you said it, it kind of just triggered it, and like it was very impressive going from that um, almost guaranteed miss cut after Thursday to. To do what he did, so um, yeah, not much more to say about that. <laughs> I think Ryan Moore could be a very good shout. Yeah, there's Moore's lots of a, Moore's, a, Moore's a grinder, isn't he? Mm. There's lots of light. Saying that, he he, ten, he tends to win tournaments at like twenty two under, doesn't he? But he's got everything that you'd need. He's accurate, good win player. I think the re- thing that really stands out to me is those corollary courses and his performances there. There's there's lots of pointers and clues that Ryan Moore go well this week. Hmm. I think you could be very right. I've gone for two more. I think Eddie Pepperell might have a good good week. Yeah. Very good very good coastal golf course player, isn't he? Yeah, there's, there's a lot to like with Eddie. He's, he's stepped up his game. Um, he's, he's at a different level to, to where he has been right now. He reminds me a little bit not that his price is anywhere as big, but he's a little bit like Satoshi Kodaira last year. He's the kind of, if you rank this by golf, um, official world golf ranking, he'd be in the top 15 in the field. Mm. And then you look, he's ensconced at 100 to 1 with a lot of firms. Yeah. Which is a bit derogatory. And also, if you look at Eddie, he's never going to be one of these guys that the DraftKings fraternity in America are going to like. He's never going to pop from many models. No. Because his statistics are all over the place. He, I don't think he knows how he's going to play from one day to the next. When when you re- listen to him and when you read his, his I know. blogs, he could, could be playing awfully, and then he'll turn up on a Wednesday and knock it about on the range and think, yeah. "Oh, this feels all right." It's like uh, it's like at the at the players before that. He said he you know he was playing at golf course like a sort of eighteen handicapper, and then all of a sudden, as he he, he found a good feeling on the range on the Thursday, it's like, "Oh, aye, aye. And straight away, it just come. I don't think he knows. I think it's the same at the as at Walton Heath, where I, I vaguely remember his pro-am partner from Wednesday um, mentioning after he won and said, "You know, I played the pro-am with you on Wednesday, and you were dog awful, and you've just <laughs> yeah. you've just won the tournament. Yeah. And how you know how can you make that much of an improvement from Wednesday to to Thursday through Sunday to to beat a decent field? It's madness." I mean, you know far more about Eddie Pepple than I do, but the only things that came just jumping off the page for me, fourth and first at Qatar, 
which as we know works very nicely from a links goal you know Brandon Grace is a two-time winner won this you just know that there's a huge correlation between Qatar and the Open Championship yeah Petpool last year at the Open when that was at its nastiest and it's yeah he was the one that shot 65 in the final round to grab a top six in the worst of the wind like blowing 30 plus Mm -hmm. Um, that was interesting as well you think of that because that was the tournament that Kevin Kisner, who is a bit of a Harbour Town specialist, he was leading that for 54 holes. Kisner. So you just think, oh, okay. And you just look at his record. I mean, great record at the KLM Open, both Kenema and the Dutch courses. Anywhere where he gets a sniff of the sea, you know, second at Royal County Down, that was a that was a playoff that uh, they qualified for the playoff at two under par that year, the Irish Open at Royal County Down. Mm-hmm. It was an absolute yeah, it was just proper hardcore links goal. Fourth at Galane, second at Galane last year. He just and then that even that win at Walton Heath. You and I went there. Very linksy feel. It was cold. It was it was blustery. It was windswept, and he he won that at a canter really, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, no, he was impressive. I just yeah, I just think you know stress. Fifty first, Mark Augusta's never going to suit Eddie Petrol. But even if you go back to the players, that was cold. It was a little bit windy. Um, it was kind of a UK feel to it. And he just pops up with third place. The other thing I did note here, the last two winners of this, both Kadira and Wesley Bryan, were ensconced in the top five of my rolling putting number. And if I look at this week's rolling putting average number for eight weeks... Um, I have Jordan Spieth at one, and Eddie Pepperell is at three mm. or four. So if it does come down to someone that's got an immensely sharp short game, because they're all hit, you know, you know, if you're if any players are around a sixty-five percent GIR, and it comes down to scrambling and putting, Pepperell's going to be there or thereabouts, I think. Also, fourth last week for driving accuracy. Didn't get it out there very far, but. Clearly, he was banging that three wood out there to 285, 290, and hit. he was fourth for driving accuracy at Augusta, mm. which, again, bodes well for this week. The other one, who I couldn't resist, is Patton Kizaya, who, he was top 20 last week at the Masters. Yeah, that's good. good effort for him. He was another one that just hung around pretty much all week. And you just think, well, Patton's going to shoot 79 at some point and disappear. Well, he didn't. Um, tons of GIR last week a winner at the OHL Classic in 17 2018 Sony Open winner um, 15th at Sea Island 8th at Kapalua 13th at Wailai there is his three best finishes this year all by the sea and when this was a really tough tournament in 2016 again the wind was blowing hard the year Brandon Grace won he shot 69, 68, 71 to be 4th after 54 holes that year Jason Cograg was up there that year, by the way, as well. And that ties into mm. what you said earlier, Paul, about Cograg. Yeah, yeah. The thing with Cograg is, in, in a, in, after a week when you've had Ricky Fowler and Cantlay sort of <laughs> spill their guts, I just wonder what Jason Cograg's going to do on 16, 17 and 18 coming home when he's leading. Yeah, he's good. give yourself a little bit of respite now again. Yeah, he, he could do a Siwoo, couldn't he, Cograg, mm. from last year? He's getting, oh, yes. he's getting closer. He's getting he's getting much much closer. But yeah, I can, I can see I can see why it kind of puts you off a little bit. 
So yeah, Kiziah knows how to win. He's a good good win player. Um, in fact, you know, he's Sea Island uh, resident, loves playing by the sea. I just thought he could take that on from last week and actually build something this week. So, Keziah, Pepperell, um, Siwoo Kim, Furick, and Spieth. They're the five that I've put against the field this week at the RBC. Who are your long, long shots then, Paul? Um, the other two I've backed are Ryan Armour, who I like here. He's... Uh, Decent tee to green player. Um, what caught my eye is that he led the field for scrambling at the Valspar. Again, you're talking about corollary courses. Um, nearly 80% up and down. And um, well, he finished sixth there, didn't he? He's finished 12th at the Honda as well this, this season. So, um, again, some decent uh, Tiff Eagle Bermuda um, mm. form coming into this. 57th from his last start at the Valero Texas Open. But he still hit um, 70% of scrambling. So that was good. Um, fourth and eighth at Sedgefield over the last couple of years. Again, in terms of your corollary courses. Um, one Sanderson Farms on Bermuda. There's, again, looking at Bermuda links. Um, the only thing, the only thing when you look at his raw stats that kind of puts you off is the fact that his three finishes here are 66, 46. Um, and they were for a long time ago. And then 55th last year. But generally, he was struggling this time last year. He only had a single top 10 in the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've Whereas, got to put those in context, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Whereas this year, he's finished 12th at the Honda, as I say. He was 6th going into the Sunday. Um, he was 6th at the Valspar. Um, and I thought 225 to 1 for Ryan Armour was a chance worth taking. Um, and the final one is completely left field. Um, but he's the kind of player that I think can and does pop up every now and again and um, from absolutely no form whatsoever. Um, twice a winner on the PGA Tour um, and when he's won his last two or the, those two events he's come from form of miscut, miscut 73 for his last win and his first win was miscut, 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 miscut 51st. Oh, I know this is. That's how anal I am. I know you're going to tip up. <laughs> you are tipping up Ted Potter Jr. Absolutely. How do, how do I guess that from form? That is bad, isn't it? Yeah, Ted Potter Jr. He he popped up a couple of weeks ago on a leaderboard for he a did, while, yeah. didn't he? He did. He, so, did, he did, yeah. His, his headline form is miscut, miscut, 64th. Miscut, 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 77th. So it's very much in line with the form that he's shown when he's won before. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, you're right, he, he opened with 68 in Texas. He was two off the lead after the first round. So his name was there. Um, he drifted away. He missed the second cut going into Sunday, so he didn't make, yeah, didn't make yeah, the final yeah, day. Yeah. Um, but for me, these shorter tracks suit him far better than some of the other tracks that you. he's been playing. Um, he's got a top 20 at uh, Copperhead to his name. He's form here, 35th, 18th, 16th. He was fourth going into the weekend here in 2014. Um, he opened with a slack 72 last year and recovered for his final three rounds to finish 16th overall. And Ted Potter Jr., you're talking about a player who we know can win. There's a lot of non-winners. Oh, yeah. There's not a, a lot of non-winners in this field. Um, yeah, yeah. Ted Potter's capable every now and again of getting over the line. And I took him at 700 to 1 on the exchange to win this week. Um, to satisfy my curiosity. <laughs> 700 to win. <laughs> you know, you're, not, you're, not old, you're, not, you're not holding back there, are we, at each wet? You know, he's actually gone a bit blue on the exchange. He's down to 620, apparently. Is he? Yeah, he's been back yeah. to. 
people are piling into Ted. Pitt, I can you? see, I can see Potter. You know, yeah, he is the sort. I've been waiting for a week that fits him, um, and he's a mad price, and he's got absolutely no form coming in. No, but that, that means Jack. It does mean absolutely nothing with Ted Potter Jr. So yeah, I'll t- I'm happy to take a chance at seven hundred. That's uh, that's that's, uh, that's a chance I will happily take. Any bombs from you, Barry? Just uh, just looking through the the combo of form and course form. Um... And it's surprising that I hadn't even noticed his results until now, but Jonas Blixed. Yeah, he's playing better. Not long. You know the thing with Jonas as well? He's actually finding some greens in regulation, which for a putter, he's a he's a pure putter, Blixed. Mm. He, he's a danger. The only thing that puts me off Blixed is Bermuda. But yes, has he played well here? He's had a 44th in 2017 and then 14th last year. So, you know, there's enough there about him and he can grind it out. He's got that kind of battling quality yep. about his personality. Yeah. So I just thought 175 to 1, eight places, throw a, throw a couple of pennies on it and uh, for for a bomb bet. Um, it's, it's the kind of tournament that you feel like you need one of those super long ones on board just for fun. Yeah, yeah Blixed right. is interesting. He's playing better. He's definitely playing bl- better Blixed. He's won on Bermuda before. He won. Uh, he won that pairs event like a couple of years ago with um, Cameron Smith. At um, that's what Louisiana. came from. Okay, that's, so yeah, that's it. That's he was only ha- he was win. only doing half the puts. Yeah. Okay, only half the puts. Oh well. But no, you know, no, no. A win's but a win. he, uh, he, I think he's won for podcast listeners and for all of us to actually bear in mind for potentially when we go more upstate to uh, bent grass later on in the year. Because if he's still bubbling under at those big prices, he's going to pop somewhere. Mm. Could be this week. Maybe this Could week. Be this week. Yeah. You never, never know. know. That's why he's that price. Right, we've overrun, but who cares? We've had a good time. We've blown away those Masters Blues. Right, no podcast next week because I'm away on holiday. Uh, we will be back for you've got actually got an event coming up, Paul. What what event you got? I've got the uh, the Hassan Dur Trophy in Morocco next week. Actually, an event I really enjoy. So my maybe you should do a podcast with Barry with me on holiday. You're more than you're more than welcome. Complicating fact is that it'll be out on uh, Easter Monday, odds oh, permitting. So um, not good. No, we'll see how it all works next week. But um, yeah, in all likelihood, I think we'll be back the following week with um, those events that week. I would like to say thank you to the PGA Tour for giving me an Easter off. It was it's absolutely much welcomed. <laughs> off to Spain we go. Have fun. I will do my best. Lovely. My my son's going to run me uh, ragged around the swimming pool for seven days, but I'm looking forward to it. Right, thank you, chats, for your time. Yeah, best of luck, guys. Uh, most, most appreciate. Best of luck to you guys. Cheers, everyone. And uh, thanks for listening. We, yes. Well, did you the record record viewers and listeners last week, which was very good. I should thank everyone for that because uh, just uh, the the amount of the con you know the content that we're putting up and the amount of listeners and the amount of viewers we're getting it's just phenomenal, absolutely brilliant stuff. Um, thank you to one and all, and we'll be back again very soon. Bye bye. <laughs>